Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thanks this morning for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks, Lord, that you're never tardy. You don't sleep. You don't slumber. You fulfill your plans. They are timely plans. They are precise. They're methodical. They involve incredible timing in all these matters. You have established a time for all things under the heavens, O oh God, and you're perfect in your timing. We pray that we, O oh God, that you are your partners in, in this process, Lord, that we would be attuned to you in this matter, Lord, that you would give us the Spirit of God that allows us to wait upon the Lord and to see his glory. We pray, Father God, that we would not just be tossed to and fro and that this process of waiting, this period and time that you have allotted between what you have promised and said is going to pass, come to pass, and that which is the fulfillment of what you have promised, that that time period would not be a time that would, would come to steal, to kill, or to destroy our lives, but that we would, Father God, ripen, that we would become mature in the fulfillment of your promises and in your plan, that we would wait upon the Lord so that our strength would be renewed, so that we can inherit the promises you have extended towards us, that we would understand these matters more excellently, and that we in that manner could be a light to the world. We pray, Father God, that you would strengthen us and that we would grow in this area, Lord, for so much evil is prospered in our hearts when we fail to wait upon you. We pray that your spirit would fill us this day, God, with this message, that this, this message, Father God, would be transforming and that we could readjust and realign and tune and, and reconcile and restore the destruction that would befall us if we did not wait upon the Lord, if we did not believe and know and trust in your perfect process and time. Give us an understanding through this word that we might wait to inherit all your promises, Lord, and that not one would drop on the ground unfulfilled, Lord, Give us your mind. Give us a perspective of heaven, Lord, in these matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we can call, and I want to, I want to set aside this, this time period just so that you also have on how to define it. Um, from the promise that God has put out there, whatever that promise, it's a word the Lord has given you. Until that reality comes to place, until we see the fulfillment, until we grasp a hold of what God has promised, that time period and that process is called waiting. And we cannot, if we're going to inherit the promises and the fulfillment of God's word upon our life, we cannot be a people who hate to wait. I'm going to tell you a secret, and it was the first thing that my mom told me as I took my first step into Christianity. This is what my mom told me. Uh, close to 28 years ago, she says, Joaquin, you can tell a real Christian on how he knows how to wait. And those words are with me to this day. And it's my challenge to become an authentic and real Christian. It's my challenge to be that man of God that God wants us to become. And it's all perfected. It's all established. It all has its balance and weight right on that matter. Am I a person that knows how to wait upon the Lord? Everything we see written in Hebrews chapter 11, everything, every single one of the heroes of the hall of faith, we call that. It says, by faith, Abraham waited upon the sun. By faith, Noah was moved to build an ark. By faith, uh, uh, these men overcame every obstacle. And it was by faith. And if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, we will see that all these men inherited the promises of God because of faith. But the very substance and es uh, essence of wait is our ability to wait upon God to fulfill his promises in our lives. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Chapter 11, verse 1. 
It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what allows you to wait upon the fulfillment of what God has promised. It's the substance. When you listen to the word, substance means the whole, the whole reception of things even before they take place. And so the substance of those things hoped for, hope is waiting for good things to happen. I don't know what you're waiting for. And, and, and in the, if I were to do percentages or if we were to run statistics, I would say that we don't like to wait. That's why we rush into a marriage relationship before time. That's why we buy a car before time. That's why we buy a house before time. That's why we have children out of marriage. That's why we do not study a career and we get into another opportunity to make a third of what we could make if we waited. And so we have a serious issue with not waiting. And people who don't wait are not going to be very victorious. They will be caught up into a lot of affairs because they don't understand. I thank God for Jesus Christ to come into my life and given me the gift of faith. The gift of being able to wait upon the Lord. It's a gift of God given to those that will be victorious. It says, even by this, we will overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And faith contradicts everything that is spiritual, that is carnal. Faith is, is something that, that allows you to extend and say, no, 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 no. Those who wait upon the Lord will mount up. Those who are able to postpone a season in its time and in its period are those that will mount up on the wings of an eagle to soar the heights of God's purpose. I wish I would have had more people in my life that would have taught me how to wait. I wish I would have had a pastor that would have told me, listen, now's not the time to buy a house. First, work hard, then buy a house. And that's actually a biblical, a, a biblical truth that we see in the book of Proverbs. First, finish your work in the field and then go and purchase a home. Well, we have things all twisted and backwards. We have things that are really upside down because no one has perfected the art of waiting in our lives. The promise between promise and fulfillment, the process is waiting. Between the shadow, and the shadow are those things that pattern after a model of what we can foresee in the future, and the substance, that period is called waiting. Between a prayer and waiting for its answer, that, that time period between the time we pray for something and its fulfillment, the answer to prayer is called waiting. That period between the start of something and its end is called waiting. And I want to tell you, if we're going to change the world, it's because we're, we will be experts on waiting. It will be the evidence of knowing that we're walking with God. We're not in a rush. We're not going to have anything before it's time. God makes everything beautiful in His time. And what a devastation occurs for us not to wait. I love the life of David. As a young boy, he is anointed to be the king of Israel. And you too have been chosen. You have been chosen from that first time you heard that God had a plan for your life until its fulfillment, that whole time is called waiting. And nearly 20 years, David would have to wait, going through controversy, going through adversity, being challenged every moment of his life to inherit the promise of God to be the king of Israel. Many of the Psalms are written stretching that aspect of our life. If you read with me Psalm 27 verse 14, this would be the hallmark of David telling us all how we are to wait. He would say, wait on the Lord. While you're waiting, be of good courage. One of the things you're going to need while you're waiting is great encouragement. An expectancy to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're totally convinced 
that you're going to see the product and the manifestation of what you're waiting on. You know it. There is no doubt. There is no possibility. There is not even the seed of the remotest percentage of a possibility that you're not going to inherit what you're waiting for. So you could be of good courage and God will strengthen your heart as you wait. And he says, wait, I say, upon the Lord. You need to understand who you're waiting on. What is the character and the nature of the man who promised? Why do we have to know that? Why do we have to be convinced? Why do we have to be of good courage? Proverbs 13 verse 12 tells us like this. Hope postponed makes the heart sick. That sick heart is what we know as depression, discouragement. When we feel that we're not going to see what we're waiting upon. It's going to be a waste of our time to wait. We should have taken the opportunity to advance. We missed a great deal. We're never going to see what God promised. And if the devil's able to sow that into your life, if he's able to, to shed a seed of doubt, which is the opposite of faith, then you're going to press forward to inherit things God never destined you to to receive if you see the second part of this verse he says but when the desire comes when you see the fulfillment of that which you're waiting for come to pass it becomes a tree of life and I could see these things that I've inherited because I waited upon them I could see these things never coming to an end never being a dead end never being a dead tree but being super fruitful as they lead to other incredible plans that God had purposed, one tied to the other. Sometimes when we grow desperate, we're like the prophet Habakkuk. In the first chapter of Habakkuk, we see the, the Old Testament prophet as he's pulling his hairs. He's asking God, where are you? Why are you taking so long? Aren't you going to do anything? Look at everything upside down. Look at the chaos. God, where are you? Why are you taking so long? And God assures him. He says, listen, I'm not playing games. What I promise will come to pass. What I have said, my counsel will not be turned away. So in chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk decided after hearing the promises of God come and far surpass his expectation that he says, therefore, I will stand my watch. I'm going to sit on a high place. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected, when he proves me wrong. In verse 2 he says, Then the Lord said to me, Write it down. Write whatever you're waiting upon. Write it down. Understand that if you're not... If you don't have it written down, if you don't have a plan and a purpose to be fulfilled according to what God has promised, then you're not going to wait for it. Then you're not going to make it part of your future. He says, write it down. What are you waiting for? Make sure that what you're waiting for is written down so that you not waver from what you're waiting. Make it plain on tablets that those who might run that read it. Verse 3, after we write it down, he says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Everything has its time and its place. They're not going to happen randomly, chaotically, out of place. One thing leads to another thing leads to another. He says, but at the end, they will all speak as to why it took this long. Why it had this purpose. And it's not going to be deception. It's not going to be deceitful. God is not a liar that he should repent. Though it tarries, though it's postponed. And I can tell you something. I've learned that in waiting, it's almost like waiting for a meal to be cooked. You don't want to eat it before time. It's going to give you a stomach ache. It's going to be a harassed situation. 
I remember when um, I met Yvette and we were planning our wedding plans. I needed to finish my career before I got married. I saw a lot of young men get married before they finished their careers. It was insane. It was horrible to try and find the, the money for diapers, the money for formula, the money for groceries. And here, every time Yvette and I needed something for our children, we just went out and we would purchase it and the provision was there. Why? We waited. We waited on God's time. We waited in God's season. We didn't have, I don't recall a time where Yvette looked at me and I looked at her and we said, what do we do now? We waited in a season of life that we were economically provided for because I had finished my career. I had started working and, and we had our children. And guess what? It was God's perfect timing. And so we didn't suffer the inability to not have waited. We did things in season and in time. Again, I wish I would have waited to purchase a house. Nobody taught me. Uh, no, nobody led me to that verse. In uh, let, me, let me look for it real quick because it's a real powerful verse. But I learned 10 years after I bought a house. And, and that's not a time to, to sit there and learn things 10 years later. Here in, in Proverbs chapter 24, there is a verse there that I, I learned too late. It was way too late, this thing. And it's Proverbs 24, verse 27. Isn't this a travesty that I didn't learn this before? But it says, prepare your outside work first. Make sure you have income and a harvest. Make sure that there's provisions in the field before you walk into a different season of life. Prepare your work outside. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And afterwards, buy a house. Oh, they didn't teach us that. We were rushed and bought a house. We paid a high mortgage. We were, we were, you know, many people have lost their houses because they bought it before their season. First, you need to prepare the field. First, you need to wait on God. And it's so horrible for us to wait. It's so horrible for us to wait. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it's a powerful verse. It says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the destiny. I know the time frame. I know the minutes and the second. And it's all there. The thoughts I think towards you so that you might experience peace and not evil. The opposite of peace is anxiety, torment. You're tormented. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future. To make everything fall in its place. And to make you have something called hope. Hope, again, is defined on waiting for the good things God has for us. Waiting for the good things God has for us. We need to become experts at waiting. In Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6, this is what... David would write also as he went through this process of time. And I know that you're waiting on something, so God wants to give you encouragement in this season. And he says, I wait for the Lord, and my soul waits. I'm going to tell my emotions. I'm going to tell my will. I'm going to tell everything that's within me to wait upon the Lord. And in his word do I hope. My, I'm established on what God has promised. These things are not going to fall the wayside. My hope is not going to be delayed. I'm not waiting uh, on a loss. I got that feeling that, that I can wait upon God's promise. Verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. It's like that sun that's coming out and it's coming. And you know it's coming out and you're waiting for it to come. And there it is. And God is faithful in bringing it to pass. In the book of Songs of Solomon several times, the, the picture is given there of a man who is prepared to, to see his relationship with his spouse come into full fulfillment. And then he says several times throughout this book in chapter 2 of Songs of Solomon in verse 7. He says, I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazels of, or, or by the does of the field. Do not stir or awaken love until it's time. Do not start something before it's time to start it. And several times throughout that book, we see time and time again that he says, do not open this up. Do not walk in this, in this 
this season of your life before it's time to do so. In chapter 3, verse 5, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazels of the does of the field, do not stir or awaken love until it's time. Do not rush this season. Do not, do not get into the next season of life until it's the appropriate time. And everything has its purpose and has been defined in that purpose. A good business deal takes time and takes the right partners. A good season of prosperity takes time to work on the field. We want everything yesterday. We want everything now. We want, a, we want I was reading an article of a man who says he can't stand waiting on his computer for the mic, microprocessor to speed up. It takes one second too long, he says. It takes one second too long because we've become so accustomed to saying, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and we've been fed in the last 20 years. How many agree that we've been fed an incredible amount of technology and, and all types of instruments to speed up our lives? A wife could cook a dinner in a nanosecond. Thank God to the microwave. In two seconds, we could fix dinner. It used to take four hours, but it's still taking too long. We've gone insane in our inability to wait. We've gone insane in this drive to get into the next season. Last week, we were talking about Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The great promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. As we read last week, the promise of God given to every mighty and powerful Christian that we would have advance against Satan. Here's the promise of God. I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking about Satan and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And we are waiting for the accomplishment. When would the devil be destroyed? When would God bring a seed that would overcome Satan? And sure enough, back there in chapter uh, 2 of Luke, 2,000 years ago, as men all over the world, especially the, the people of Israel, were waiting for the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah. They were waiting. They said, when is this son of, uh, of the woman that's going to crush the head of Satan? When would that come? And so they were all waiting for this. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25 in the temple in Jerusalem, it says there was a man named Simeon. And this man was a righteous and devout man. He was a real serious man. And what was he doing? Waiting. You can tell a righteous person. They know how to wait. You can tell a righteous woman. She knows how to put it on her credit card. I mean, I'm sorry. She knows how to wait. She knows how to wait for the right season, for the right time to speak to her husband, like an Abigail who waited until he, his hungover was over before she would address him. She waited on the time that God would give the provision of God to bring in the answer of God, not one that would stir up because the inability to wait. So Simeon was there, a righteous man, waiting on the consolation of Israel. What was the consolation of Israel? That a son would be born that would crush the serpent. And they were all waiting for this Messiah to put an end to this kingdom of darkness. And he was there waiting on the consolation that would come and rescue Israel. And it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he would see Christ. The promise was, and he was waiting for a lifetime, that he would not die until he would see Jesus, the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. And in verse 27, it says, And this day the Spirit led him to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, here Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God. What did he have in his arms? The fulfillment of a promise. You're going to have what God has promised. Don't doubt it for a second. 
you will carry that as a reality of the faithfulness of God. You wait. He says he carried a baby up in his arms. He blessed God. And he said like this, verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. I can die. I can die now because according to your word, you have fulfilled your promise. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Will you be able to bless God and confess that God has been faithful to his promise in your life? Do you think it's going to fall by the wayside and you will be defeated with the inability to see what God has promised? Verse 31. This is, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Verse 32. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people. And it says as they were there watching the fulfillment of God's promise in the life of this man, Simeon, that Joseph and Mary marveled. They didn't understand. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of Jesus. Verse 34, it says like this. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary and Joseph, Mary the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be the joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your very soul. Here a man waiting upon the fulfillment of God. But guess what? There was another woman, she was also waiting in verse 36. It was Anna the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was, a great, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. We keep on going. She was a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple she was there day and night, worshiping God and fasting in prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began to praise God. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly. Everyone who had been looking for the redemption of Israel. The rescue of Israel. The Lord wants us to be in tune with his fulfillment of his plans for our lives. A long time happened, and one of the things that kept Simeon and Anna waiting was the eagerness to see what God had promised. I don't know if you're eager. I'm eager. I'm eager to see the fulfillment of God's plan as I waited to marry a woman who feared the Lord. Many imitations came. Many spiritual pseudo uh, fabricated, satanically, divinely called provisions came knocking and, and offering their, their holy services. But a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. A man who fears God is greatly to be praised. A man who does not know how to wait. We waited for five years to, to get in, intimately involved, waiting on the timings of God for our relationship, not wanting to ruin what, what God had planned in our union. Many people don't wait. Many people give away their intimacy. Many people do not cherish these things. Waiting 15 years for the fulfillment of God's call for this ministry. Having many invitations. The devil will always want to provoke you to not to wait. To hurry across. And it, I, I, I feel um, a young man got married in this church and he says, why didn't you guys tell me to wait? That you're not listening to anybody. You're rushing into the next season of your life. And now you need to start trying to juggle all these matters. But here Simeon waited. Anna waited upon the Lord. And I want to tell you something so that you can continue to understand that, that God is still going to fulfill his promise. In Romans 16 verse 20. Yes, Jesus was born into this world. And you say, well, why isn't Satan crushed already? If he showed up and if Simeon saw him and if he's already come and he's the provision of our rescue. And look what Paul says. Paul writes in Romans 16.20. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. 
This is the full culmination of Satan's destruction. Yes, Jesus is on the scene. Yes, Jesus has disarmed the devil. Yes, the kingdom of, of, of heaven is being established and the kingdom of darkness is being destroyed. But Paul writes these words so that you can be convinced and not lost in hope that soon, I love that, shortly, another translation, this translation says shortly, others say soon, the God of peace will crush Satan under whose feet? Under the, the feet of the children of God. That's our promise. We would, we would crush Satan under his power. I would say that those that do not know how to wait are those that are influenced by hell. The wicked don't know how to wait. That's why they lose the provisions of God. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Paul writes this powerfully in Romans. I want to tell you that while Satan is a, a very powerful enemy... Can I tell you that not waiting is more powerful? Many of us say, oh, the devil. The devil had nothing to do with it. It was the fact that we couldn't wait. We didn't know how to wait. We didn't know how to pray while we were waiting. We didn't know how to glorify God in our waiting. And we need to be experts in this field in many regards. Many times waiting becomes our greatest inherit, uh, enemy in inheriting God's promises. His plans, His provisions. We want to quit. How many have, have quit because they could not wait? When you stop waiting, you're quitting. When you stop waiting, you, you throw in the towel. You're not overcoming. One of the key ingredients for these wrestlers that go into these metal cages, the, the WWF worldwide, these, these warriors, you know what they do? They go in there and they say, I'm never quitting. I don't care if they break my arm, they break my leg, they tear my eyeball out, and my face falls off. I'm not quitting. And that's what it takes to be a warrior. You say, guess what, devil? I'm not throwing the towel. I'm waiting upon God. I'm not going to settle for less. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to sell myself short. I'm waiting on God. And you need to, can you confess it? I'm waiting on God. You need to confess it. Those who wait upon God, those who confess they're waiting upon God, are those who renew their strength. Those who don't suffer incredible loss. Waiting plays a very important part of God's plan in bringing to pass what He has promised. Nothing has been more devastating to Christians and believers than their inability to wait for God to bring His promises to pass. I can say that Adam and Eve threw in the towel when they began to listen to the devil and not wait on to see the fulfillment of God. It says in the beginning, God says, we will make man in our image and in our likeness. Right? This was God's promise. Man will become in the image and likeness of God. This is what God said. Let us make man in our image and likeness. Well, they needed to wait in a process and in a, a, a development stage of waiting. And the devil came up and gave them a shortcut and says, the day that you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. He, he came and hexed them on their waiting period. He came and offered them a shortcut, a quick fix, an easy route to the provisions of God. Will he do that with you also? Yes. He's going to try to sell you on one a quick fix to get prosperous, right? How many have ever been invited to be part of a multi-level marketing scheme where you could become prosperous if only you get involved in Mona V or, or God knows what, there's a million of them. And, and they're all fixed with one key ingredient. You won't have to wait to make money. You won't have to work to get some fulfillment. You won't have to attain the fruitfulness of a labor of sowing a seed, watering it, cultivating. No, this is fast, man. I've had these people come up to my office and says, look, you can make $1,000 a week. Oh, really? How? Well, you just don't have to wait. You just have all you, you don't have to wait. You just get involved and you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I can tell you that that has been the great source of incredible poverty for those who don't develop a character of waiting. It's those that are in the long haul. The greatest fortunes upon the earth have been those fortunes that have been worked on over a, a period of time. And all the quick, rich, get rich um, schemes have scammed so many people. 
You know, it was Adam and Eve that couldn't wait. Do you remember the couple called Abraham and Sarah? The Lord gave them a promise of having a son. And it was just so unbearable to wait. It was so disgusting that they would have to wait. That, that inside of Sarah came the cry, Will you hurry up and go have sex with my maid? Have sex. Have, have intimacy with Hagar, my servant, so we don't have to wait no more. And here is birthed Ishmael and the nations of Ishmael that have become a constant enemy to the provision of God, Isaac, to the promise of God to this very day. What has contradicted, what has come against the promise of God and the people of God has been that season where Sarah, out of her depth, soul cry of not being able to wait, said, go ahead and have sex with my servant that we can hurry up this process of what God had promised. That's why it's so devastating that we not rush, that we not run to the pseudo-false fake answers to God's promises. It was there as the golden calf was being molded in Exodus chapter 32 that Israel could not wait to see their God. So they went and they fashioned out of gold a golden calf and they began to worship a false God. And many people will do this. Those people that do know, not know how to wait on God on healing, they don't know how to wait on God for an answer to prayer, they don't know how to answer God, they've gone to witch doctors. They've gone to false religions. They've gone into activities that are incredible because they don't know how to wait. They want their answer now. And when Moses came down from the mountain and he saw the golden calf, he says, what are you guys doing? He says, you took too long. We can't wait for you to come off that mountain from talking with the real God to bring us real provision. So we made a God of our own. We're, ser we're you know, you, you, God takes too long in providing for us. So we went out and committed and we pay more than the tithe of our time and our treasure and our talents to our businesses, to our careers. Because you took too long. And oh, how we lose the provisions of God because we don't know how to wait. And Israel did the same thing. Moses, you took too long. Saul was the first king of Israel. And he was called to lead God's people, but he was called to wait upon God's servant. He was called to be God's leader, but to wait upon God's prophet to offer sacrifice for the blessing. I'm not waiting for Samuel. He's taking too long. I'll bless myself. I'll go somewhere else. Well, they will bless me. And the prophet came up and said, Saul, what are you doing? He says, you took too long. So I offered my own sacrifice. He says, your glory and your kingdom shall be taken away because you've acted foolishly. Well, where, what did you think? Where were you going with that attitude of not being able to wait? Samson wanted a woman and he wanted her now. I believe God's provision was perfect for that prince for that leader that God had called to deliver Israel. But he told his parents, I want her and I want her now. Well, that's not the girl God has for you. It doesn't matter. It led to his destruction. It led to his demise. My mom would always tell me, Joaquin, remember Samson. As I was waiting upon my provision from the Lord, she would always tell me, remember Samson. Don't let the devil deceive you because she's attractive and good looking. Jesus comes and he starts telling his disciples, my kingdom is coming, it shall be established. And they're saying, it's taking too long. When will your kingdom come? When will you establish what you've promised? Where's your government of peace? When we will be delivered? And he says, you guys need to wait for it to be established. In fact, you're not only waiting for the kingdom to be established. As he died, was crucified and raised from the dead, he sent him to Jerusalem and he says, Wait on the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't know how to wait, you can't be a man of God. If you don't know how to wait, you can't be a woman of God. If you don't know how to wait, you'll never be a good wife. You'll never be a good husband. You'll never be a good son. I was just listening to one of the fathers here in the congregation. His father gives him a business. He says, son, I want you to be in business with me. He says, dad, I can't wait for you. 
His dad, his dad says, I've given you everything. Just wait. No, if you don't give me 50% of the deal, I don't want to work with you. Oh, how foolish we are when we don't know how to wait. When we don't know how to wait on God's timing. When we rush. And we see that they had to wait in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. He says, being together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem. Make sure you guys don't take off to change the world until you wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait! Wait for the promise! Wait for God's provision! Wait for His power! Wait for His partnering! Wait upon the Lord! What's the key word for today? Thank you. I just thought it was just missing you. I want to make sure you don't miss it. And then you could start asking God, God, make me a man of wisdom. Make our marriage a, a, a marriage of wisdom. Make our family a family that knows how to wait upon the Lord. My children will tell you, my answer to every one of their petitions is we're waiting on God. Hey, Dad, when are we? We're waiting on God. Hey, when is it? We're waiting on God. When are we going to go on vacation? When God says, we need to know and how to be peaceful experts at waiting. We have joy in waiting because we know faithful is he who called, who will not let things come into our life that are not according to his purpose. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says his promises are yes and amen. You bet you, I'm counting on them already. I see them, I smell them. I, I, I savor the goodness of God. Why? Because I'm waiting on God. He's not going to let me fall by the wayside. All the promises of God in him are yes. And in him are amen to the glory of God through us. Through us, God's going to perform these realities. Oh, the church had problems waiting. In 1 Corinthians 6, we see verses 1 through 6 that Paul says, Hey, you guys don't know how to suffer injustice? You don't know how to wait upon God's vengeance and God's bringing all things to order? Why are you taking each other to court? Why are you suing each other? Because you don't know how to wait. You want your justice to come fast. You want it to come from men. You don't want it to come from the Lord. I've been wronged. I've been unjustly uh, taken from and all this stuff. But guess what? I rejoice on one thing. How is God going to reconcile that? How is God going to turn all these things to good? How the life of Joseph, I see that at the end of all things, he says, you see all this process I've been waiting? You caused to do me harm, but God caused it for my good. God, everything that I needed to learn, he says, the rejection, the hate, the suffering, the endurance, all those things were great. They allowed me to wait. They allowed me to be perfected. They allowed me to obtain everything God has for me. I thank God for the time period that postponed God's provision because it allowed me to grow stronger. These Christians in Corinthians chapter 6, they were suing each other because they couldn't wait. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three, they had a wait problem. And Paul says, hey guys, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. Can't you wait for one another? No, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat before my husband gets to work. I'm going to get back from work. I'm going to go and do something. But wait. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. he says, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. Because not waiting is a sign of pride. Not waiting is a sign of, 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 of your, your you, it's, it's the opposite of love. Uh, years ago, Josh McDowell wrote a book called Love Waits. Love Waits. Those of you that are in a rush, better pick up a copy. Love Waits. It's awesome. And when we don't wait, you know something? And we'll go find somebody. And over the years, this happened a lot in this church. We'd tell couples to wait. It's not the time for you guys. You know what they would do? They would cross town and go get a pastor that says, just give me $500 and we'll marry you this weekend. And so they would go across town. They would get married. Within a year, they'd come back and it says, pastor, we need counseling. I said, go tell that pastor who married you to counsel you. Pastor, we're going through problems. Well, you go get that pastor who didn't care about you waiting and tell him to give you marital counseling. It says that because we don't know how to wait, and it says it there in 2 Timothy 4.3, the time is coming where people will no longer listen to sound doctrine. They won't listen. The, the word is they won't endure. Endure means waiting, suffering. The time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. They will have itching ears and they will heap upon themselves teachers. 
had one guy, and we've been teaching this for 10 years now, 14 years in this church, how we wait upon the Lord. And we had one guy come to one of our Bible studies. He says, I got married three months after I met my wife. Three months after he met his wife, he got married. And so he went to the college group and says, I got married within three months of meeting my wife. And they ran to me. They says, Pastor, we don't have to wait because so-and-so got married three months after he met his wife. I go, yeah, when you're 45 years old like he was, then I'll let you wait three months. He waited till he was 40 and got married within three months. That's fine. Now you wait till you're 40. And so we see that when we don't know how to wait, we will go find teachers to tell us what we want to hear. There's teachers that says you don't have to get married uh, before you have sex. You don't have to wait. And they're out there. You, you don't have to wait um, in, in, in various, uh, when we go to Nicaragua, they, they've gotten families. You don't have to wait to be married to have a family. Well, guess what? That causes chaos. And it says, because they won't be able to wait and endure sound doctrine, they will have teachers that will teach them what their itching ears want to hear. How many believe that's a curse? Somebody tells you what you want to hear, and it's not right, and it's not good, and they tell you don't wait, and you usually hear these words. Ready? He says, you can have it all now. Go for it. It's yours. It's yours. Take it. You don't have to wait. I love those words. I remember buying a whole bunch of stuff to fix up my house lately, and they said, hey, you have to wait to this afternoon to be able to... I said, no, I want it now. I want to take it right now. Yesterday, I was talking to the architect, and he says, um, I could get you some, some pavers for your backyard, but you'll have to wait till Monday morning. I said, no. I got on Craigslist, and some guy in Kindle was selling them at a cheap price and went to go pick them up, 800 bricks yesterday. And we brought them back with Michael and with George Gill, and, and we put them in my backyard, and they said, Pastor... Are we going to wait till tomorrow? I said, no, we're going to put them on right now. And these poor guys were out there till 11 o'clock at night laying down pavers. Why? We don't like to wait. We do not like to wait. And when we don't wait, we could run into some problems. It says it here real quickly. In Mark 13, verse 20, because people will not want to wait anymore. I'm sorry, it's not Mark th uh, 20, 30. Yeah, it is. Mark 13. Verse 21. Mark 13, 21. Look at what's going to happen in these last days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ. Here's the Messiah. Look, he's there. Do not believe it. You know why people don't want to wait, not even for the Lord? They're in a rush. So when they're in a rush, they're going to believe false believers. They're going to believe those people who say, the Lord's coming back May 21st, 2011. Have you heard of that lately? Some guy in California by the name of Harold Camping, he's been an elder and a pastor for the last 50 years. He has a radio station called Family Radio, 150 stations all over America. And he says the Lord is coming back on May 21st, 2011. And then five months later, God will destroy the entire earth and universe. The rapture, according to his mathematical equations, will happen on May 21st, 2011. It's crazy. And it's happened so many times. People say, Pastor, I need to get married no longer in July, May 20th. Because <laughs> this guy says the rapture is happening. He had previously predicted the rapture having occurred in September 1994. The horrible example of failing to wait is that there's something more horrendous than that. More horrendous than failing to wait are those that become cynical in waiting. Not waiting makes you go make up stuff. Like, the Lord's coming back May 21st. Two weeks. I can't even move into my house. <laughs> it's our anniversary, though. But guess what? Listen to me. That's not as sad as what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. The people that are saying the Lord's coming is taking so long, so it's not going to come. He says, the Lord is not slack with his promise. I want you to stir you up in 2 Peter 3.1. It says, beloved, I write the, you these things that you might be mindful of the words that were spoken by the prophets and commandments to us. The apostle of the Lord, knowing this first, mockers will come in the last days, walking according to their lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things are as they were from the beginning. For they willfully forget that by the word of God, everything was created 
Everything was destroyed by the flood. Just like God promised the flood was coming, it came. Just like the Lord says he's coming, he's going to come. But these guys, instead of saying that he's going to come, their inability to wait has already caused them to make fun of having to wait. Have you heard a young girl go like this? Oh, I'm going to be an old maid. You think God's going to do that? Oh, God's forgotten about me. If I don't just jump on this one, I'm going to lose it. Sad. Sad that you're not inspired and eagerly waiting on a faithful God. Sad that you've become cynical on not being able to wait upon the promises of God for all things. I love that verse there and let me get a hold of it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, His divine power has been bestowed upon us. God has given us all things that pertain to life, all those things that, that are part of this abundant life and godliness. God has given to us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4. And it says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. I mean, when I started hearing about the God, the plans God had for me, he was going to give me a, a career. He was going to give me a wife. He was going to give me a family. He was going to give me a ministry, a place in the body of Christ. He had provided for all these things. I was like, man, Lord, I'm going to wait on all of them. I'm going to wait on everything God has for me because it's a good thing to wait upon the Lord. These great and precious promises need to be vibrant in your heart. Your prayer needs to be according to the promises of God. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have. That if we, have, um, that if we ask anything according to his promises, he listens and hears us. 1 John 5, 14. If we pray according to the promises, if we pray according to those things he's promised, those things that you've written right down, he hears you. In verse 15 says, and if we know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know that he will give us what we've requested. What we're praying according to his will, what we're praying according to his design shall come to pass. I want to tell you, I want to tell you with flying colors. I used to tell the Lord, Lord, I know your will is that I serve you. I know that I would desire to serve you for six months out of the year. That means I would be an attorney for six months, and then six months I would just do ministry and change the world. And that was my prayer. And you know what God did? He did what it says in Ephesians 3.20. He brought the provision that I was waiting for exceedingly, abundantly, and above what I prayed for. His provisions, his promises that you wait upon are not just little dingers. They're huge manifestations and expressions of the plans he has for us. So now I don't serve the Lord six months out of the year. I serve the Lord all year long. Because when I waited upon him, his provisions came at large levels. In expressions that I never even dreamed of that he could be able to do. Read it with me, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do. How many know that God is able to do? If you don't know that God is able to do, you, short, you, you sell yourself short. He's able to do exceedingly. I want you to underline exceedingly. Abundantly. That means in gross provision. Way above all that we ask or think according to his power that he works in us. But what do we have to do? We have to be like those who ran before us that inherited the promises. Hebrews 6.15, it says, After Abraham had patiently endured. That's what we need to do. So after he had patiently endured, after you wait and wait and wait, you obtain the promise. After you enjoy, after you glory God, if you're shaken in your waiting, you begin to praise the God of Israel. You begin to glorify Him. Who said like this, Isaiah 30 verse 18, Therefore, the Lord will wait that He might be gracious to you. The Lord is waiting and His method of taking His time is so that He can give you more grace. You guys got verse 14. I said verse 18. Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord will wait, he waits, that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, that he might have mercy on you. For the Lord is God of justice. Blessed are all those that wait for him. 
There's blessing in this. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord, their strength is being renewed as they mount up on the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. This, this eager stuff of, oh, I'm waiting. Listen, your waiting should be, oh, I'm waiting. And it gets you stronger and more vibrant to know that you know that you know that God is coming with full provision, with a glorious outcome for those who wait. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 104, verse 27 and 28. I love Psalm 104 because it has the full expression of of the land waiting for rain, for the birds waiting for food, for for man waiting on bread, for, for everything to happen. And it says there in Psalm 104, verse 27, these, talking about God's creation, these all wait for you, except us. Everybody, everything waits on God, on the hand of God. These all wait for you, that you might give them their, their food in the right season. Do you, do you want to be a, a, a dad out of season? No. Do you want to be a minister out of season? No. Do you want to, to not know what to do with money before you get it? No, that would be a curse. In fact, all these people who win the lotto and they didn't wait on their fortune, their lives became chaotic curses because it, was, it wasn't the season. Verse 28 says like this, what you give them, they gather in. You open your hand and they are filled with good. At the time, God determines that the favor is coming. And we'll finish with Lamentations 3.25. And it says like this, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord shows his grace and favor on those that are waiting. To the soul who seeks him. Verse 26. So it is good that we should wait. It is good that we should hope and wait quietly for salvation. You guys are on 27. I said 26. It is good. That one should wait and hope quietly for the salvation of God. I hope that today's sermon allows you to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I was just thinking. Lord, I thought. And you say, Lord, I'm waiting upon you. I'm going to see your glory. And I won't settle for anything less. Let's stand this uh, morning. And we know that, that God will send provision in this season. He will send salvation in his time. He's going to do a great and glorious work. The only people that will not see this, do you guys know who it, who it is? Who are the only people that won't see this? Those who don't wait. Those who are not waiting. Those that somehow, some way, the devil threw them a curveball and they say, I better start doing my own plans because God is done with me. Yesterday I was talking with Pastor Jose Rivera and I said, Brother, your ministry has not even started. Your ministry has not even started. Derek Prince waited till he was 68 to start his ministry. 68. How old are you, Pastor? 54? You still got a long time to go, brother. So you'd be 68. And then God grabbed Derek Prince from the age of 68 to the age of 84 to change the world. Powerful man of God. So everything in between is just the meals being cooked, the preparations, the ingredients, the time needs to happen. The waiting on the Lord is a good thing. And those of us who don't know how to wait, and you know who doesn't know how to wait? A starving soul. Someone who has not rejoiced in the favor of God. Remember a young man, Pastor Cornejo told me about, he was sitting, there was a little boy, he was sitting on the side of the road asking for money and the Lord told Pastor Cornejo to give the little boy a thousand dollars that was in his pocket but the little boy stuck out his hand and he asked for a dime and Pastor Cornejo says ask me for more he says no I just want a dime he goes but ask me for more I want to give you more no I just want a dime and so he put a dime in his hand and he ran off and Pastor Cornejo was, was struck down to his heart, to his heart, because he had so much more. And the young man wasn't waiting around for it. 
just took that little dime and ran with it when he had a thousand dollars in his pocket that was coming and a lot of times we're running with that first thing the devil throws our way because we don't know how to wait on the provision of God somebody says hey will you yes hey, hey you yes why are you so anxious because you're unbelieving because you don't have a vision of what God has for you write it down make sure you don't settle for less because you're not waiting on God and as we sing this song we'll finish up and this whole message was not just a good message it's a lifeline it's something that you could bring into your heart and say Lord give me that power give me that character that world-changing attribute to wait on my God who's faithful as we sing this song let's go ahead and bow our heads and ask God for a supernatural transfusion of that answer, I am waiting on the Lord.